Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. Whether you're betting on a basketball game, or the Golden Globes, or The Bachelor, or the Oscars, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds and almost anything you can imagine, and of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Hello, Lions fans. Jesse Cass here for the LMU Basketball Podcast here in the Believe Podcast Network on LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the LME Basketball Podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Jesse Cass. We've got an amazing show for you here this week. LMU senior Eli Scott. Of course, his name etched all over the LMU record books. He's having an outstanding senior campaign, and we have a really fun and depth conversation with him coming up in just a few moments. Uh, before we get there, of course, want to update you on everything going on with LMU basketball, where we last left off. LMU had a thrilling win over Santa Clara uh, and kept it up on the road. They beat San Francisco in a similar fashion just a few days later. 68-63 to was the final in that one. The man you're going to hear from Eli Scott was, of course, a big factor in that one as well. Had a couple of big free throws in the final minute. It was just another gritty, tough game from the Lions. They were without Joe Quintana, who got a little banged up at the end of the Santa Clara game. Played just six players in the game. Parker Dorch, the senior, who has seen his minutes you know, fluctuate this year. Didn't play a lot for a good chunk of this year, but stayed ready. Had a big game, 4-4 from the field, 9 points, and, and helping get that win for the Lions to make it four wins in a row for the first time since the 2011-12 season. Four conference wins in a row, that is. Uh, they were unfortunately unable to make it five in a row, falling at home to BYU 88-71 to on what ended up being senior day. The Lions were initially scheduled to play Portland on the 27th, but due to some conference reshuffling instead of instead of a home game versus Portland on Saturday it'll be the Lions going to take on the number one team in the country Gonzaga on the road so it'll certainly help the strength of schedule we know a game versus Gonzaga was postponed earlier this month so it's exciting Steve Haney and I who was on the show last week talked about hoping that game would get rescheduled and it is so the Lions will have that opportunity to test their medal against the best team in the nation uh, it'll be the the end of a an exciting week the Lions this Thursday Go to Pepperdine to take on their rival, the Waves, who sit just in front of them in conference play in a place in Malibu Firestone Fieldhouse, which has been a house of horrors for the Lions. They've lost 21 of the last 22 meetings in Malibu. Hopefully they can make the change there and then follow it up with that game against Gonzaga. But Lions had a tough loss, didn't really play well against BYU, ended up making a late run to make a huge deficit, a, a slightly less big one. Not their finest performance, but... Two more games to get it going and really controlling their own destiny and trying to finish in the top half of the conference. Pepperdine just in front of them uh, with the same record in conference at 6-4. and four. BYU kind of etched in that two spot. So the 3-4, the it's right there for the Lions depending on how the Kempom rankings turn out. For them to get 
a top spot in the West Coast Conference Tournament. So a lot of exciting things happening for LMU. And as we mentioned, a, a player at the forefront of all of that is Eli Scott in his senior season. Really good and fun conversation with him. We talk about his decision to, of course, play during COVID, what, that, what that's been like playing and training with you know, no fans at the beginning of the summer, playing outside. Uh, you know, Of course, the coaching change for him, his first year for Stan Johnson, his decision to stay and what it's been like to play for Coach, John, Coach Johnson. Also, his legendary Chino Hills High School team with pros all over the starting lineup, of course, Lonzo Ball, uh, Nyeko Okongwu, and, and LaMelo Ball, and LiAngelo Ball, LaMelo, of course, lighting it up as a rookie. We talk about that a lot on this conversation with Eli Scott. So without further ado, right here in the LMU podcast, LMU senior forward Eli Scott. Here we go. Are now joined here on the LMU Basketball Podcast by LMU senior and all-conference performer Eli Scott. Eli, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Eli, you just played your uh, last game in Gerst Mabillion, senior night. Uh, obviously not the way you wanted to have that game play out, but what has it been like to to play at Gerst Mabillion? And, uh, you know, that was a bit of a surprise to have that, you know, your last home game kind of switch to a road game. So what was that whole experience like in, in having that kind of come up so suddenly? I mean, it was definitely a different feeling. Um, going to school for four years, you anticipate your senior night, you're going to have your parents there, family, friends, that type of thing. Uh, all the LMU alums, uh, boosters and things of that nature there to see it. But it was, it was definitely a different feeling. Um, something I was kind of, I'm kind of used to at this point. Uh, same thing probably with graduation. Um, growing up your entire life, you probably anticipate walking across the stage, throwing your cap, things of that nature. And I uh, probably won't be able to do that this year either. But um, yeah. How tough has that adjustment been for you? As you mentioned, just in, in normal life aspects of things that you would anticipate, like graduation, like you mentioned, but also, you know, getting used to and accustomed to, to playing in empty buildings without fans. What has that whole process been like for you this year and, and kind of adjusting to that? Um, physically, it hasn't been too bad because it's at the end of the day, it's just basketball and it's just walking across the stage. But uh, emotionally, it's, a bit different because obviously we won't have the pictures and things of that nature to show our family, show our kids, like most people would be able to. And um, besides your physical diploma, you really don't have much to show for it. You know? Yeah, no, that uh, that's tough. It's, it's hard to even imagine that, but um, you know, was there any hesitation on your part? I know this is your senior year, so I'm, I know you'd want to play that, but going into this year with just the uncertainty of, you know, safety and everything that goes with the season. Did you consider opting out, sitting out a year? What was, what was your thought process in going into this year with, with so much uncertainty with the virus? I definitely opting out didn't come across my mind one time because you never know how long you get with this game, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, especially with injuries these days, one slip up and you could be done. And I just think sitting out an entire year, wasting your time, no offense to anybody that did decide to do that. But just sitting out an entire year is something I didn't want to do. And um, and honestly, you, you, you get the COVID year back. Yeah, true. But um, sitting out this year, no, I, I, I felt like that wouldn't be the best thing to do. And and just playing games and being around your friends. Obviously, you can't really be around your, around your family and things of that nature. So you might as well be around your teammates and get better this year. And what better can you get than playing live in-game reps? Oh, absolutely. And I, I was talking to uh... – to your good friend and, and former teammate Steve Haney last week and uh you know I know he's still close with you guys and, and we were kind of touching on it but how difficult was this offseason for you and just 
trying to decide what you're going to do. Cause of course you were recruited and played for Mike Dunlap and that coaching staff, LMU made the coaching change, uh, you know, brought in Stan Johnson, just from, from that aspect, when that first happened, going into your senior year, having a new coach, what was that process like for you and your thought process going into all of that? Um, it was definitely different, obviously, because you have, you essentially grow up with seeing the same person for three years, all of a sudden he no longer has the job. And, and, and it was a bit of a sudden thing right after we had lost that last um, game versus San Francisco, maybe a day or two later, they had emailed us that um, Coach Dunlop wouldn't be returning, which, which, which was honestly a shocker to me yeah. because we um, had a great season the year before, my sophomore year, and obviously injuries derailed our season last year. And, um, and honestly, I, when, when Coach Johnson got the job, I knew I still wanted to be at LMU. Um, I'm honestly a big baby, so I didn't want to leave home. So uh, transferring never really crossed my mind at the time either. Yeah, and what's the what's the adjustment been like to play for for Stan Johnson? You guys have obviously had, you know, a really good season. Uh, had just won four in a row prior to this past game. You know, with all the stoppages and all that, still have been really solid throughout the year. So, what's this year been like? You know, understand Johnson and and, and having a successful season so far. Um, it's been great, honestly. It's a um, entirely different perspective. Uh, for the first time uh, in, in my college career, it was more coaching from a big brother perspective rather than like Dunlop who's an older male who's more of like a fatherly perspective you know and uh, there's things because coach Johnson's age is younger that he can relate to such as music and things of that nature so I guess it's more of like a big brother relationship this year and I think that's probably the biggest difference and I think uh, some of the players can feel that with with, with their relationship with coach Johnson um I, I honestly feel that both relationships can work. A fatherly relationship can work with you and your coach and also the big brother relationship where you can have a dialogue with him about certain things. I think that can work also. Yeah, one thing I've noticed that I think is similar between the two is just the the intensity and passion that we see from from both coaches. And of course, Stan Johnson always fired up on the sideline. You know, we saw him the other night when you guys won in, in San Francisco, sprinting to the locker room and bringing that fun element as well. Um, so as a player, when you have, a coach that brings that intensity. What does that do for you guys and you know how you perform out on the court? I mean, honestly, it does a lot. Uh, when you have that intensity and you have that relationship with Coach Johnson, it's a relationship in which you don't want to let him down when you're on the court, you know, because he puts in so much time with us off the court that um, when he asks you to do something on the court, it makes it a lot easier. And um, honestly, for, for me, it's just what I need because I'm one of those people that responds better when somebody's snapping on me than if somebody were to just, oh, like, can you do this? So I, I feel like that intensity that both the coaches brought was, was what was best for me in my long-term growth. Yeah, and, and how strange was this offseason and in, in kind of preparing for the year where we know there was, you know, the safety protocols in Los Angeles. You guys had to start practicing outside with masks on and, and not being able to get in the gym and work out as normal. What was that process like, and, and how was that an adjustment for you and your team? Uh, it, uh, it was definitely frustrating um, this season, especially coming off the season I had last year, and I had been second team, so I really wanted to take that jump to be uh, an, a, for sure, first-team all-conference player. Yeah. And obviously, with how strict California had been this summer, I wasn't really able to get much gym time. Uh, so that was pretty frustrating. And then even when we first got to school, summer school kept getting pushed back. We were supposed to report, like, uh, let's say, like, July 2nd. Yeah. Or July 2nd. 
then we were still shut down. Then we were supposed to report like July 22nd, still shut down. Then like August 1st, still shut down. Then it's like, all right, we're just gonna start the first day of school, no matter what the rules and regulations may be, because sooner or later we have to get the show on the road. And um, starting off outside was not easy. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I don't use the word spoiled, but over the last few years, being at LMU, we kind of were spoiled. We didn't have to play outside. Like we 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 we, we, we playing a renovated gym, uh, air conditioning, things of that nature. And all of a sudden we're outside using basketball shooting on a on a hoop on a tennis court. It's a huge adjustment. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine so. And you know, one thing that's impressed me about you guys this year is you know the team has had two stoppages, you know, for COVID protocols, missed about two weeks each time. Each of the first games back, you guys did miss a beat. You know, you beat San Francisco that first time, you came back and beat Pacific the second time. Uh, you know, that's how much of a testament is that to you guys, not only your, you know, physical tools and being able to stay stay ready that way but, but but mentally missing all that time and being able to not miss a beat when you guys come back uh it's just a testament to coach johnson and what he's preached since the first day he got the job that was when covid first started uh, i believe he got the job like march 24th maybe yeah and um he the one of the first things he said on the zoom call when we all got together is whoever handles covid the best will be the national championship at the end of this year or whoever handles COVID the best will play will be the best team in our league and whoever handles it the best you know what i mean yeah so i feel like handling COVID was always one of the priorities on our list because besides the other team COVID will probably be the biggest opponent we had this year and um it was just a testament to coach johnson and his staff and what they preached to us from day one i think them instilling that into us really made it a lot easier once that adversity had hit because it was because because it was honestly a while before we had shut down there were teams like cal state fullerton who were getting shut down week after week and we had honestly got into a groove. And then the first time we got shut down, it felt like it was the end of the world. But then once we seen what we can do out of that shutdown, like it was time to rest up and we were able to watch film and adjust and, and go over the last few games, we are like, okay, maybe this can be used as a stepping stone to make this last push for the second half of the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the season a couple of years ago where you guys were really successful last year, of course, injuries and other issues took a lot of key players out of the lineup. You've had, you know, those players for the most part come back. Of course, Damian is now out for the, the season and Joe has had his injury issues, but just in general, getting those guys back, Damian, Joe, Matias, bringing in some of the new guys as well. We knew there were high expectations. Uh, you guys have really lived up to that so far this year. What has it been like just having everyone back and, and kind of getting that groove back from a couple of years ago? I think honestly, it was great. You know, honestly, from a, morale standpoint and a team standpoint just seeing those guys healthy again obviously when you're not playing i wouldn't say that you're down but you don't have the same as you would as, as if you're playing because obviously you do want to be out there with your guys and just having them return like damien who i personally think is one of the better players in our conference and will be a perennial all-conference guy in these years to come having him back that was great having matias back to hold down the paint with the season he had right before he um, had a red shirt, that was great. Joe, who I believe is one of the, well, probably the best shooter in the WCC, having him back makes everybody else's job easier. So when Dame drives, people can't help. When I post up, people can't help. Um, his ability to get into the lane. So I think from both a morale and a physical standpoint, having those guys back really was the major difference this year. Yeah, and of course, someone who's played a lot for you guys as well is Jalen Anderson, freshman point guard. Mm -hmm. We know he got off to a, you know, started with a bang with a buzzer beater in the first game of the year, but it seems like his confidence in playmaking is is kind of rising game by game. What have you seen 
from him and, you know, how is the, how have the older guys on the team, uh, you know, been able to take them under his wing and, and kind of help him develop in his freshman year? I mean, one thing about Jalen is he's like a sponge, no matter if he agrees with your opinion or not, he's always going to take it in and he um, just keeps building on that. And uh, after that second COVID shutdown, that's when I felt like the game really took off. He, he was watching film every day with the coaches, breaking down reads, breaking down his turnovers, things of that nature. And that's when he came out with, I think, like back-to-back nine assist games. So I think Jalen's best attribute is probably his listening ability. And I think that's going to help him in the long run. Because if you can learn to take what people say, both constructive and negative, and um, use it to your advantage, I, I think that'll help you in the long run in college, and not only college, pro career. Yeah, and and I know you had mentioned, you know, one of your goals was making that jump from all WCC second team to being a first team performer. Now, I may be a little biased, but you absolutely have shown that you deserve to be on that this year and you've been incredible. Um, You know, what have you felt like has improved in your game to allow you to take that next step and be one of those top performers in this conference? Um, Probably just playing through adversity. There are a few games last year where if we were in the same situation, we probably would have lost. Like Pacific, we were down 14 in the second half. We probably would have made a run. We probably lost at the end. Um, San Francisco with six players. I'm not sure if we had the same team last year that we would be able to pull that game out. So I think maturing in terms of being able to play through adversity this year, that's that's probably made the biggest jump for me. And in, in particular, in those past couple of games, you mentioned the San Francisco game with six players, the Santa Clara game earlier in the week with – you know, seven players, uh, you were really a key factor in, in willing your team to a win. Of course, the Santa Clara game, career high, 37 points and in the game winner. Uh, you know, what kind of zone do you feel like you were in in those performances and to kind of hit that gear late in the game to, to know when your team needs you to, to come through? Uh, you know, what's your mindset in those games and how do you feel like you've been able to, to pull that off? Uh, my mindset was honestly just don't lose. Um, <laughs> for the thing we want to do this year, I think those are games that we have to win, especially with us having lost to BYU. I'm sure there's people out there that say, um, yeah, they're good, but can they beat those higher tier uh, teams in the conference? And uh, even though we didn't get BYU yesterday, the fact that we swept San Francisco, who was chosen to pick to be top three in the conference, I feel like that's a testament to our jump this year. And um, that's really been my only focus was to um, win just honestly put ourselves, uh, put our my team in the best position to win this year. And I think Coach Johnson's done a great job with coaching us and putting us in position to, to, to win games, no matter how the first half may be or how the second half may be. I feel like by the time the end of the game comes around, we'll have a shot to win it. And um, games like St. Mary's, I wish we could have back and maybe have a redo. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, the St. Mary's one is tough. As you, know, as you said, it was might have been – just a, from a style of play, you know, 27 turnovers might've been your guys' worst game of the year. And you still three point game almost <laughs> has still had a chance to win that one at the end. So know what you mean there. Uh, two more games upcoming in the regular season. You mentioned those top tier kind of teams. It's two more of those teams that are in the top half of the conference, of course, Pepperdine and then Gonzaga, who's the number one team in the country, starting with Pepperdine uh, for whatever reason on the road, there has been really tough for LMU. It's been 21 of the past 22 games in Malibu. Uh, that they've won against you guys. You know, is there anything about that gym or that matchup? We know you've had success against them in Gersten, but what is it about the the matchup in Malibu that's been tough over the years? 
I honestly can't put my finger on it, but if you've ever been in that gym, you know that there's just something that's just, I don't know. <laughs> like if you've been in that gym, it's just something that's not all the way there. Um, honestly, my freshman year, we had a chance to win. And we, in my opinion, we probably should have won. That's when we had the back tap off mm-hmm. the free throw line when they hit the game winning three pointer. Um, I don't know about that, um, Jim, but they have two great players there. Guys will probably be NBA guys very soon. And um, hopefully we can go out there and get a win. Yeah, like you said, it's it's something that feels strange and, you know, like supernatural about that gym. It's small. Uh, like you said, every game is is close with something weird happening at the end. But uh, another chance on Thursday to, to get that right. Uh, Saturday, you guys take on Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. That game was, you know, they originally on your schedule, then postponed, then off the schedule and now back on. Uh, just mentally, you know, preparing for going up to Spokane, I believe was announced they're going to have some fans in limited capacity. So just everything about that game, the number one team playing in front of fans for the first time this year. Um, just what's your expectations and excitement going into that game this weekend? Uh, just playing hard and um, trying to gain some momentum um, for the WCC tournament, no matter how, uh, what the outcome of that game may be. Yeah, I feel like the guys need to get healthy this week. and. Um, Hopefully we can go into the game with at best capacity what our roster could be with maybe Joe being healthy this week and uh, we can get some great minutes out of KP and uh, playing in front of the fans for the first time would be fun. Uh, even though they're the opposing school's fans, I think just seeing some life anywhere in the stands <laughs> <laughs> is uh, something that could make us players feel good. Yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be exciting. And and like you said, it's all leading up to, to the West Coast Conference Tournament, which will be a big way to, you know, cap off the season as well. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, your very famous worldwide high school team, Chino Hills, you know, regarded as maybe the best high school team ever. Uh, you know, we've seen those graphics on social media, on Instagram of, of the starting five. And just what was it like at that time where, you know, everyone else in that lineup now is is either in the NBA or playing pro ball somewhere you're, of course, on your way to being, you know, professional player after this year. Just what was it like at that time with that Chino Hills team and, you know, the Ball brothers and and Okongwu and just a team full of NBA players uh, back, you know, five, six years ago? I honestly don't think we knew at the time what we even had done and or, or even what we were capable of. Um, looking back on it, I think it was pretty dope what we did, seeing the teams we had beat, numerous NBA players. We had played like Bam. Malik Monk, um, a ton of guys, uh, R.J. Barrett, guys of that nature, yeah. who, are, uh, who, uh, who are getting paid millions of dollars to play this game today. And uh, I honestly don't think we knew the reach we had also. Like, even with fans, like people waiting. As soon as we get out of school, there's people that have their lawn chairs in, in front of the gym at 2.30 waiting for a 7 o'clock game tonight. Uh yeah, that's that's all I, I, uh, all I can say. Almost as if it was an anomaly, what uh, Chino Hills was at the time. Yeah, and and I know you're obviously still close to those guys, and you know there was so much buzz about Lamelo Ball coming into this year, and I think a lot of you know for whatever reason, a lot of doubt from certain people about how good he can be. Just how vindicating is it for you as you know his friend and, and former teammate to see, you know him playing up to that potential and playing extremely well in the NBA so far, and you know just having a great season in his rookie year. I mean, it feels great, but also I'm not really surprised because uh, I'm a firm believer in the work will always show. The, the, the work you put in behind closed doors will always manifest to the public. Yeah. And he's a guy who works 
every day, plays bad, works, comes off a 40-point game. He's going to work just as if he shot three for 14 the, the night before. And, um, yeah, that, 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 that's really it. And him having that exposure at such a young age, I think those criticisms might not affect him the same way they might affect a guy who went to college for four years or went to college and then go to the NBA. And it's the first time he was ever in a spotlight. And what he's doing is getting negative, uh, negative criticism. So I think, uh, and for, for, for lack of a better term, he's built for it. Yeah, no, he's, he's been incredible so far in his rookie season. And, uh, you know, we don't look too far ahead because you still have time left at LMU and a lot of exciting games to come up. But, you know, going forward, obviously, like you said, you played against NBA players pretty much your whole life. You've been, you know, playing at an extremely high level. You know, is the NBA the ultimate goal for you going forward following this year and graduating from LMU? Yeah, definitely. Um, whatever route that may mean, whether that's coming back for another year and using that COVID year, to then go to the NBA or going overseas first and then hopefully getting a shot or G League or any, uh, any of those routes, um, the NBA is definitely a goal of mine. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many routes in, in which you can get there. And we've seen, you know, former NBA play or former LME players, excuse me, that have gone, you know, overseas and done incredibly well over there as well. Um, you know, I'm sure it's tough while you're in it right now at LMU, but do you ever think about, you know, your name is all over the LMU record book and, and will be once it's said and done of, in terms of, you know, top 10 in rebounds, you're up there in points, assists, you know, all the categories that you're in just to be on that list with, with a program that it does have, you know, some storied history in the past and some great players that have gone through it. Do you, you know, recognize that and think about that at all? Uh, I don't think about it at all. And um, honestly, I, I, I don't even realize what I've done until a guy like Anthony Ireland, who I talk to pretty frequently, he says something. It's like, oh, this guy who, in my opinion, is probably the third best player to ever come through LMU. Or uh, him and Lowry. So top five, we can say yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, him and uh, – so a guy that's top five saying, like, oh, like this this kid had a legendary career. It's just like, oh, like it's just a real feeling. Like, this is a guy that I grew up watching, like, on prime uh, – I think it was, like, Fox prime ticket back in the day. Yeah. Like, I, like, I remember watching them play UCLA when I was younger. And uh, a guy like that saying something about that, like, it's just it's just a surreal feeling, just a legacy I'm trying to leave. So hopefully when I come back and Coach Johnson's renovated the entire hallways, if, for those who haven't seen it, there's pictures of guys on the wall that's broken records. And uh, hopefully when I come back and bring my family, I can be one of those people that have a picture on the wall. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, as someone who was, who was there for the Anthony Ireland years and has seen, you know, a lot of great players and, you know, my, my time here at LMU, you're – hundred percent on that list and your name will be on that wall for sure. Um, it does. It makes me think going back, you know, obviously you said you're a local guy. You want to stay close to home. Was that part of the reasoning why LMU was attractive to you in the first place when you decided to come here? A hundred percent, hundred percent. That was my, my main thing was staying at home. Uh, schools that recruited me out of state. I was very honest with them up front. Like um, I'm probably not even going to entertain you because <laughs> I, 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 I want to stay home. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going up in, in conference play, we know is such a different beast where you guys see each other normally, you know, more than one time per year. Um, you know, there's occasionally, you know, more chippier physical games. Uh, what can you pinpoint as the difference in conference games of just that familiarity and, and those battles that you get into uh, in these WCC battles? Um, well, the familiarity is much different because you, because of our league and, 
outside of Gonzaga, there are not many one-and-done guys. So these are guys you're probably playing eight times in your career by the time it's done. So, like, let's say a guy like Yosef Vrinkic from Santa Clara. Like, him and I have been battling since we were freshmen, and we know each other like the back of our hands. Yeah. So, like, those battles are tough because everything – like, we've seen each other's best games. We've seen each other's worst games. Like, there's been games where he scored 25 on me. There's been games I've scored 25 on him. There's been games where he scored three points. There's been games where I scored three points. <laughs> so, I think just the familiarity and – um actually have playing these schools before and in our conference most of the schools have kind of had the same style of play since i've been there like pacific's always been scrappy st mary's has always been a great shooting team filled with foreigners and then gonzaga has been supremely talented so um i just think the familiarity and it's you actually playing the, the team instead of seeing them on film like a team like minnesota at the end of the day you're going i you, you, you you're only going to play them once and you, you've seen them on film before but a team like Santa Clara or San Francisco, you've seen them on film, you've played them multiple times, and just that familiarity of playing in their gym, playing in our gym, um, knowing how they play on the road, knowing how they play at home, I, I think that's probably the biggest difference. Yeah, no question. And, um, you know, you guys a couple times this year have worn uh, special jerseys, black jerseys that have, you know, social justice and racial justice statements on the back. Uh, you know, yours has said Black Lives Matter, others have said equality. Um, you know, just for the school to do that and, you know, you know, did they consult with you guys in, in making the plan for that? And, uh, you know, what did that mean to you guys to, you know, have something that's obviously should be said and is simple to say, but having the university take that stand and, and say that and have that on your jerseys, what did that mean to you guys? I mean, uh, it meant a ton to myself personally as an African-American player at LMU. Um, there's not, honestly not many African-Americans at LMU. So for the school to back us like that and having an African-American coach, um it felt great honestly uh it it, it, it it was either uh the ad's idea craig or coach johnson and um kudos to both of them for uh allowing us to do that and um yeah yeah and uh you know before i let you go you know we touched on it a little bit but two regular season games remaining west coast conference coming up west coast conference tournament coming up uh you know just what's the ultimate goal for you guys this season to, to close this thing out and you know finish on a high note um, NCAA tournament berth for sure, but um, any sort of postseason uh, we'd be um, happy with. But the ultimate goal is definitely reaching the NCAA tournament. And um, the WCC, obviously a great conference, and it's not going to be easy to get there, especially with us being wounded right now. But uh, that's the end goal. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be an exciting finish. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you guys, you know, for the finish of it. And hopefully, like you said, uh, well into March for an NCAA tournament berth. But uh, You've been a, an amazing player to watch so far, and I'm sure there's there's more great moments to come. Thank you. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LMU Basketball Podcast right here in the Believe Podcast Network. Huge thanks again to Eli Scott for coming on the show, and a big thank you to everyone out there tuning in. Now, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Five stars is always appreciated, and we're also available wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, wherever you need it, we're there. And also, of course, Believe.com, where you can find this podcast and many others on the platform as well. Also, follow along with me on Twitter, Jesse underscore Cast, for any of your LMU basketball updates. But as we mentioned in the beginning and in the conversation with Eli, the, the final week of the regular season is upon us for the Lions and two really tough but really exciting games. LMU taking on their rival, 
Pepperdine on the road. Pepperdine just suffered a, a tough loss uh, on Monday to St. Mary's to drop their fourth conference game. So both teams will be 6-4 and four in conference play with really that three seed up for grabs in the West Coast Conference. So a real opportunity for the Lions to potentially control their own destiny there. So an exciting matchup with a little extra cherry on top there between the Lions and the Waves on Thursday. It's a 6 p.m. game. And then Saturday at 7 p.m. in Spokane. And as we mentioned in the interview, first time all year for the Lions. Any fans in the building? Washington just allowed some fans, so it'll be in a limited capacity, of course. But as if playing the number one team in the country on the road wasn't tough enough, the Lions will play with some fans in the building as well. So we'll see how that affects them, if at all. Uh, And we'll keep you updated on the LMU Basketball Podcast, as always, going into the conference tournament the following week. So with all of that said, thanks so so much for tuning in on this week's edition of the LMU Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you next week on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Lions. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.